Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, and welcome to The Art Detective with me, Dr. Yanina Ramirez. I'm an Oxford art historian, a broadcaster and writer, but my role today is to be your investigator of images. So we're going to dissect the meanings, we're going to decode the symbols, and we're going to work out what's going on in some of the world's greatest artworks. You should be able to get the image up in front of you. You can either type the title into Google and, or a search engine and get it that way, or uh, the clever team at History Hit will embed the image. So hopefully you can click on the link and get it up in high definition in front of you. Each week I'm joined by another investigator and my assistant today is actually my podcast brother from another mother, Dan Snow, fellow History Hit podcaster now. Hello. <laughs> so good to be here. I'm looking forward to investigating this painting. Yes. Well, I'm taking you slightly out of your history comfort zone, hopefully, here, doing a bit of art. Well, it is out of my history comfort zone, but, you know, I really do resent how little... I I'm an 18th centrist. I love the 18th century. And I only... I mean, and yet I hadn't ever really engaged with the art and architecture of the 18th century until I left the university and finished my formal studies. And now I just think that's absolutely, it's impossible to understand the 18th century without obviously your Reynolds and, and, and your things like that. It's, it's absolutely, it's so easy to access when you see the images that were being produced of the people, the way they wanted to be portrayed, this new aristocracy, this fantastically wealthy class that were existing that came into existence in Britain at the time. So I'm a huge fan of interrogating artwork, even though I never did it formally. So you didn't do it in your history degree then? Never once ever did no. anybody say, go and look at a big neoclassical Palladian house, never look at the architecture, never look at the buildings these people were building, never look at the, the ways in which they were seeking to be depicted in art, in portraiture. Never ever did anyone get me to do that. And actually it hugely... I now understand. I think it hugely uh, impeded my understanding and appreciation of that period, even though it's one of it is my favourite period, and I absolutely love it. It hasn't impeded you that much, Dan. <laughs> You've managed to get right. to it otherwise. But I do think it's one of the benefits of of art history is being able to to look at a time through its imagery. And we're looking at something absolutely stunning today. We're looking at Turner's The Fighting Temeraire. Now, this was voted the nation's favourite painting. I know, I'm so predictable. Uh, no, no, this is this is perfect for accessing the time. And I think what's interesting about this is people have an immediate reaction to it. It's beautiful, 
beautifully painted. I mean, Turner is is he's at the top of his game at this point. He's, he's the master of light and sun, isn't he? I mean, he just owns that. And, and actually, that's why I prefer this type of painting to some modern art because I love how artists depict the fall of light. Yes, and I think that's something I miss in 20th century art. Sometimes this is just so unbelievably beautiful. And you've seen it. I mean, it's a big painting, isn't it? It's big. sort of coming up to a meter by a meter twenty. When you're in front of it, what feelings does it bring out? Well, I am a terrible romantic, and so I love I love sailing. I love naval history. I love the Napoleonic Wars. Not that I love the Napoleonic Wars, but I'm fascinated by the Napoleonic Wars. And actually, as it happens, I'm obsessed with sunsets. My wife often laughs at me because I, when we're on holiday or anything, I always go out and watch sunset, even no matter where I am. And I just, I just, because I think they're the most beautiful things in the universe and they're totally free and they happen every day and everyone can access them. I don't know why everyone just doesn't go out and watch sunset. If it only occurred in one part of the world, people would like pay to go there and, and watch it. It's, 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 we're so used to them that it, it becomes... Uh, almost banal, but I'm obsessed by them. So this painting for me brings all of my great passions together in one place. And of course, you've got this wonderful bit of history there, have you, which is this steam craft pulling the Temeraire, once this mighty cutting edge bit of technology that helped Britain win the Napoleonic Wars and establish Britain as the global hegemonic power and English as the world's language, all sorts of things, important things like that. And there she is, though, this great big once mighty ship being towed away by this yucky little steam vessel. And that's about change. It's about progress. What does progress mean? Technology, disruptive technology. We think we're living through an exciting time at the moment. Look at us podcasting away, thinking we're disrupting the media industry. <laughs> we don't know disruption like they knew it in the early 19th century, right? That This is unimaginable change that was going on. And it's depicted in this beautiful picture, sunset, or is it sunrise? Wow, well, this is it. There's loads of things that are interesting about this because not only is it stunning, I mean, it is, it's stunningly executed. He's so clever in the way that he's applied the colour for the sunset. But what I find really interesting as well is when he does the water, it's not blue. <laughs> People tend to paint the sea and water in blue. He's used every other colour in his palette because he's actually reflecting these colours of the sky. And that is is very clever. But and, and I think that there's an immediate reaction that you have in front of this, which is emotional like you say romantic it's beautiful but the, the story behind this is just as interesting um you mentioned the little steam tug there you see it as an ugly interpretation well i do i see it as a squat i'm a bit test the d'urbervilles about steam power you know I, I, that sort of hardy again that hopelessly romantic and completely ridiculous image you know when tess is out in the fields as a younger woman and they're all working together. And then that threshing machine comes as a kind of demonic, uh, the unnatural artificial presence in, in that book. And, and I feel a little bit when I look at um, when I look at this painting for the first time, I think of that steam vessel, even though there's something quite swan-like about its lines. Uh, and I think to lots of people in the early 19th century, it would have been profoundly exciting and beautiful. But for me, there is something about steam taking over from sail and the passing of the of the the more earthy, natural, taking advantage of the, 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 the great currents and the wind that provided by the planet and this more artificial construction of the steam engine of the steam. And and that, that's connected with the modern world and how we're now we no longer live by the by the tides and the winds and the and the setting of the sun and everything is now sort of artificial and, and all the sort of health issues to be honest that have come come with that. Mm, I think I think there's, there's Turner is never straightforward. That's 
what I think is so amazing about him. He was he was really controversial in his own lifetime, not particularly well liked, despite the fact he was hugely skilled, because uh, he he came from very humble roots, and and when he comes to making these sorts of artworks. What apparently seems a very clear message, which you're absolutely right, seems to be like the modern age replacing this this beautiful era of the age of empires and magnificence of, of English sailboats. There's always another meaning. And actually, I think the, the tug's a bit of a kind of curveball in this because it's replacing what's, what's behind. The, the, the Temeraire is completely, um, it doesn't, it can't move. It's yeah. disabled. Yeah. Um, and what's pushing things forward is this new steam engine. Yep, and there's totally. that gorgeous um, plume of smoke coming out of the chimney at the, on the tug, which actually covers over the masts of the ship where the Union Jack would have flown, whether, mm. you know, where it would have been assigned. So, so one thing is replacing the other, but actually the thing that's moving it forward is it's powerful, it's strong. So I don't know. I think we can read it yeah. in two ways. And massive, great sailing ships are obs- were that, by that stage increasingly obsolete. Mm. Temeraire was obsolete. Yeah, we should put it in time. Um, so this is taking place uh, in 1838. This is her being tugged yeah. to her last boat. Um, but he paints it the year after in 39. Um, but yeah, she's she's been obsolete for... What? Oh my God. Well, at that decades. stage, yeah, decades. And at that stage, ships were becoming obsolete almost as soon as they were being built. Such a period of change. But And, and also, it was a vast, ungainly sailing ship designed to inflict murderous gunfire on the enemy perhaps in 1838 it was we were talking about the white heat of technology and how perhaps we they hoped that the great war as they described the Napoleonic war at the time had been consigned to the distant past a terrible expensive bloody war that engulfed europe and the rest of the world and actually maybe he's saying isn't that good the old dinosaurs are being broken up and it's all about the engineers and the, the new men of this industrial revolution so you're right. It's very difficult. I suppose this is what you have to deal with all the time is you're trying to put yourself in the position of, of the artist at the time. Mm. I think he, he's a particularly tricksy one. He like <laughs> he likes to, to mix things up. Look, we talked about sunrise, sunset. Um, actually, if this event was taking place, this wouldn't be a sunset because it's facing the wrong direction. Oh. So it should be a sunrise, but it, it's clear with the palette he's used, he's, he's doing a sunset. Okay. So he's manipulated the scene. We don't know if he even saw it, but um, he's he's taken an account of it and turned it into a sort of a fantastical version that's much more romantic, much more um, open-ended and open to discussion. But I completely defer to you on this now. Tell me about the Temeraire and, and the context well, in which this is they why, became famous. This is why I think that probably it is a nostalgic vision of, 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 of change in a sorrowful way on one level, because I think the Temeraire it was widely regarded as one of the heroes of the Battle of Trafalgar. It followed HMS Victory into the fray, and it came up alongside, I think it was the Redoutable, the French ship that the Victory was entangled with, and one of the sharpshooters had shot Nelson and uh, mortally wounded him. And so the Temeraire was right in the thick of it, followed up Nelson, second only almost to HMS Victory in, in fame, almost founded the night of, the night after the battle in the great storm that followed Trafalgar. And and it was when it returned to Britain was was a music, so people flooded on board, they wanted to see the damage, they wanted to crawl over the Temeraire. So it was even at the time regarded as the grand old dam of, of British fighting ships. And so it, to combine with the sunset, there is surely we we can well who knows can we be sure that Turner 
if not regretted the passing, realised that it was marking at the end of an era. And, and actually it was. I mean, the Trafalgar, well, was almost the last great Give us our battle. Trafalgar dates. Okay, sorry, 1805, October 1805. Almost the last great sea battle waged by ships that used exclusively sails. There were some other smaller, less celebrated battles in the 19th century in, in the Eastern Mediterranean, for example, and elsewhere. But quite rapidly, those big wooden ships with their huge sails, canvas, pyramids of canvas aloft on big masts, they were being replaced by uh, ironclad ships, iron, uh, certainly ships with iron elements in them. So they were changing to a very different type of of uh, of ship and that brought to an end hundreds of years of 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 warfare of that particular kind and it was warfare that on the whole the brits had been quite successful at from basic let's call it for the spanish armada onwards sir francis drake the brits had worked out quite effectively how to put together cannons ships well from their mary rose if you like under henry VIII, cannon ships and cannons ships guns uh, sails uh, and and experienced seamen and and it was a war-winning combination, a world-beating, quite literally a world-beating combination. So, I you can't help looking at this thinking Turner must have been some way. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Trying to create this atmosphere of the end of an era and excitement, of course, about the future, perhaps, mm. but also uncertainty as to what's lay ahead. I think, yeah. And, and the thing that really strikes me as well is he was a patriot. You know, he was he had grown up knowing the legend of this ship but also it's such a beautiful bit of craftsmanship isn't oh, it yeah, making totally. these things out of wood um the way they're decorated the way they're created they're, they're stunning artistic achievements so i think he's definitely you know, harking back to that idea that it's not all mass-produced industry this is something yeah. that hands have made um and and there's such gorgeous detail on the ship i mean it's even the way he's lit it it's got this sort of lemony 
yellow, hasn't it? Um, it's funny with Tanner because he used yellow a lot. And his critics used to say it was just like he was sticking mustard all over the canvas. Um, but in these, this case, he's played with yellow to make um, the Tamarel look, look quite kind of ghostly. Yeah, it's t- very ghostly. And in yeah. fact, it's lit by moonlight a little bit as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, you've seen the moon. Mm. So it's right up there, yeah. So the waxing moon. Again, the end of one age, the, big, you know, the beginning of another possibly, and, and the little moon is, is so much smaller than the big glorious sun. So, yeah, you could say that he sees the end of something brilliant and the rising of something else. Um, but, but I think that the tug is, is lit quite beautifully too. I don't see the tug as that ugly. No, it's, it's swan-like. It's rather yeah. beautiful. The reflection's very beautiful on the tug. I agree. Yeah. And so I think he's, he's sort of leaving a little bit of room for, um, for you to see both sides of it. Um, but I think this idea that the ship is a heroine, I love that. It's, you know, we, we see portraits of these great uh, leaders. Nelson dying is such a dramatic image. It was very popular and people had images of it. And this is sort of... Uh, depersonalized version of that but the ship itself has a personality the ship has been through battle it's your tired old war veteran really yeah so i think <laughs> that's well that's absolutely right and i think these ships had a, a character in the popular press at the time and they, mm. they were they were well there's an old expression that hms victory and the and the battleships of the Wars, they were the single most complicated objects on planet Earth at that time. Man-made objects on planet Earth. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Because yeah, they they're three... This one is three... Story, how does it work? Three, three stories? stories. Call it three decks, yeah. Three and decks. It, and it had about 100 <laughs> cannon on. So so one British ship at... One British big ship like this. This was a second-rate ship, so-called. But one big British battleship like this at the time carried more cannon than... So Arthur Wellesley, the man who became the Duke of Wellington, had in nearly any of his battles. He had slightly more at the Battle of Waterloo. But so so he it had an army's worth of cannon on it. And of course, Britain had many of these ships. Mm. And that really very simply describes why Britain was able to conquer big chunks of the world in the 18th, 19th century, because it was able to move these vast force multipliers, these enormous concentrations of power and force to the world's... Uh, seaways, and bear in mind, and, and actually that's another really important point about the Thames in this painting. Mm, yeah, it's good. really, really busy. Mm. So you see, and actually we've forgotten now. That's the biggest thing we struggle to, I think, remember in the modern world, ever since the invention of the railway, which is around about the same time as this, is that land was seen as difficult to travel across and a pain in the ass, and mm. and it, you're carrying stuff, and it was difficult. Roads washed away, and people mugged you, and it was a nightmare. The sea was how everything got around, and in fact, today it still is. Most of our trade comes by sea. Most of our things we eat and our stuff in the supermarkets all by sea. But everything went by sea. So if you could, la- if you could blockade the French, Germans, Russians, Indians, North Americans with these massive battleships bristling with cannon, you controlled what was going on on the land, even though you didn't actually have to go onto the land in many cases. So it was a very different era. Uh, and and I think, and what this, but it was an era that was changing very fast with the invention of railway, with the invention. So ships in some ways were being circumvented. And there was a concern that with the, with the coming of the railway, with the, with the forging of the great European empires like the German empire, uh, and the coming together of North and the American Empire, USA, that Britain would be eclipsed. It might be the sunset of British power as well. And so, there's, mm. as you know, there's great angst, isn't there? Like there is in America today, there's a terrible concern that uh, British power is on the way. And that, that 
Very continues for much the second half of the nineteenth century. I love that because then you've got that that little moon as well. The idea yeah. that something's coming to an end. Um, yes, yeah, so many things to talk about there. The, the idea that there are lots of ships on this this river. Um, this is a motorway. <laughs> we yeah, forget how important water was. It was. I mean, it was the motorway to the Vikings. It was. It's, it's always been the motorways. Well, the, um, London's prosperity, London's large population, everything depended on on the Thames. Yeah, and, and now it's a forgotten little stream that runs through the middle of the city but it was a massive sprawling life-giving full of fish full of full of it's where all the excrement went it's it your sewer it's how you got rid of everything uh, it's where all the trade arrived it was people arrived foreigners arrived ideas arrived yeah. everything came by the time yeah and, and i think that it, i mean we do forget about it but the fact that this painting is still the nation's favorite to me Makes you think maybe people haven't forgotten. Yeah. We still have a connection. I mean, we we still think of ourselves as an island. I mean, that's yeah. that's part of our well, problem. You know, of course. <laughs> but well, it's yeah. this is uh, this is about um, you know being connected by water, having water all around us. I think water is huge in this, and um, the way that he has has made the water so distinctive, unlike any other painter. This is his speciality, seascapes, you know, this is this is what he could do, skyscapes and seascapes. And and I think it still affects people. Do you know it's gonna be on the next twenty pound note? I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean it's it's very British, isn't it? Because yeah. it's about the water, it's about past greatness. It's about technology and our, and we, although we've often been at the forefront of technology, we're also a bit scared and a bit ambiguous about technology. Uh, and it's about concern about change. I, I think it it speaks. To, it's actually very. It's very contemporary in many of its messages as well, isn't it? It is. And you mentioned right at the beginning about it being romantic. And Turner is known as a romantic painter, but he holds in this this age of impressionism. This is not real. I mean, even down to the fact that you can see her masts, her sails on the ship. Those were taken off. Those were. You know, she laid in harbour. What was it about? 30 years. Oh, God, yeah. She was used to a prison ship and a sort of new recruits would come on board. Yeah, I mean, a Hulk, you know, these Hulks. It's actually very depressing how many Hulks from Trafalgar in the early 18th, 19th century hung around for really quite a long time. We, Victory was saved, but lots of other ones we almost saved and they just were sort of lost in really quite recently, really. Mm. Um, and they, because they proved quite useful, they were, they basically floated and, yeah. and they, and you could stick young recruits and midshipmen on them and whip them into shape. The idea of them floated, these are technologically advanced things. The idea that they can carry 100 cannons, that is a huge amount of weight to to work out how to support on wood, oh, on it's water. Amazing. It it's amazing, amazing technology. Yeah. So, so in a way, again, I mean, we're living through a, technolo- a new technological revolution at the moment. This is a celebration of the technology of its time. It's a celebration of craftsmanship, glorious victories, yeah. a time when England was great, had an empire. And he's painting all this sort of you know, 30, 40 years afterwards, as an old man, as a 64-year-old man, looking back, I think, with a sense well, of nostalgia. Well, there's a great... My favourite Napoleon quote is, if you, and I think it's very useful to understand the world politics at the moment, is if you want to understand a man, understand the world, how the world looked like when he was 21. You know, and I think that is so true. Mm. And if you, need, if you want to... So clearly, Turner, he's getting old. He was a world that he was comfortable with, a world that he felt totally at one with, was the world that had existed decades before. Mm. Mm. Yeah, as a 15-year-old boy, he was 
you know, celebrating Trafalgar and that yeah. she hasn't lost that sense of kind of childish enthusiasm for that time. It's sweet. <laughs> and then there's a feeling that, and just depressingly, you know you're getting old when you do suddenly start to want technology to slow down. <laughs> Until in my experience, you you're don't? about... No, come on. Until you're about 35, you just get think the whole thing's amazing and brilliant and wonderful. And then suddenly you just go, actually, do you know what? I think I'm all right with this now. I think I've sort of reached a point where... It's just perfect as it is. Uh, <laughs> Let's have no more change. Yeah, Everything's okay now right it's now. It's time to freak me out <laughs> that people are freezing themselves and they're going to come back in loads of years' time. So, yeah, yeah. All right, so I think that that it feels like an older man's mm-hmm. vision as well. Yeah. It? So have you enjoyed talking about it? I mean, I've talked. I've enjoyed talking about it hugely. I mean, my my grandmother, my Welsh nine, she used to take me to the Tate Gallery and we used to look at the Turners, and then we used to she used to take me for lunch downstairs. And that was our big treat when she came to London. And we both just loved, I loved her ever since then. So Mm. I'm sorry I've asked for such a cliche and famous painting, but I, I love it. Come on, it's a it's a big hit for a reason. Um, oh, it's been so nice talking to you about it. Uh, thank you, Dan, for joining me on The Art Detective today. If you want to find out more, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Dr. Yanina Ramirez. And uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. Do follow Dan too. He is the history I'm guy. history guy. And you can find him on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. There will be lots more art coming your way. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.